Hey everyone, uh, welcome to Vet Talk. Uh, today I am excited to welcome Dr. Carl Southern. Uh, he is a resident in emergency critical care and he wants to talk a little bit about one of his favorite topics, which is uh, snake envenomations. So Carl, welcome. Hello, Thanks for hello. coming. Thank you. Yeah. So tell me first, like, why do snake bites get you excited? Uh, honestly, it's because they come in in so many different variations. So you might have the one that walks in and he's wagging his tail, happy. They know he got bit and he's just chilling. And the other one comes in flat rattle and you're like, is this a hit by a car? Is this a snake bite? Is this a gunshot? You're not sure what. You just see blood. He's a lateral recombinant. You're just like, what is going on? And then you get more hits. You're like, oh, this is definitely a snake bite. So yeah. I like the variation that they come in. You know, you can have a lot of fun with them or it's like, okay, you're fine. Go home. Yeah. So for folks that are listening, uh, we're based in Florida. So maybe you can give us a rundown on the, the types of snakes sure. that we have. And, and uh, some, yeah. some people might not dealing with that. Lucky <laughs> them. Sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so there's really two major types. You have your, your, your pit, vi pit vipers, sorry, and then your uh, coral snakes are the two main we kind of see here. The, the pit vipers are the ones that you'll, kind of what we're describing, they'll come in um, with those swelling. You know, those are the ones that need like more so that right away attention most of the times. Um, our coral snakes are a little bit different. They act a little bit different. Their venom acts a little different, I should say. And so for here in Florida, uh, those pit vipers are your, your rattlesnakes, your water moccasins, your copperheads. Um, so I'm forgetting off of that list. Most of them, the pygmy rattlesnake. Yeah, yeah, pygmy yeah, yeah the eastern diamondback. Yeah. And then the coral things on the other side of that. So um, that's kind of what we see down here, though. Yeah, so, you know, there's a, a big distinction between the pit vipers, which um, despite having several different species in that, their venoms are all relatively similar. And then the coral snake's kind of over there by itself doing its own yeah. thing. And, um, and they do present very differently. But it sounds like the pit vipers are the ones that, that you really like. For sure. They're, they're far more interesting. And yeah. um, so let's say, um, you know, a, a dog comes in and the owners are like, we just found him like this. They, there's no real history mm -hmm. of exposure. Mm -hmm. So what are the things that would make you as a sure. clinician say, I'm suspecting this could be a, yeah. a snake bite? That's a great question, actually. Um, a couple of things that, that kind of tip me off are, one, so their, their clinical presentation and then also some blood work abnormalities. Uh -huh. So when I say their clinical presentation, most times if you have a localized area of swelling that's pretty painful, you might not always be able to, but you can look for those puncture marks yep. and see sometimes they're bleeding from that area or there's some like localized swelling where you touch it and they yelp out or they're really painful and everywhere else is normal. Yeah. And that's my, my kind of physical exam tip-off finding. And, and then for blood work, we'll do a couple of things. So here at the university, we like to run ACTs or yep. like activated clotting time. Mm -hmm. So we'll, we'll get a number on that. And I say a number because that's what it gives us. So... You know, if they're, if they're prolonged, let's say it's above on the normal range, mm -hmm. then we'll be a little more suspicious that, okay, this could be a, 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 a snake envenomation. And then also we'll do a blood smear and just look mm -hmm. at it and see if we see, you know, the changes in the red blood cell shape. So we'll get those things yeah. that we call echinocytes. That's one of the things that I actually like about snake bites is that it's actually pretty cheap and easy and quick yeah. to be like, I'm pretty suspicious that's what's going on. And um, one of the things that um, I think people will confuse uh, snake bite victims with would be like an allergic reaction. For sure. um, and there, there was a, a study that was um, done earlier, and I think that's that's part of what led into some of the results. Maybe we can talk about that later. But um, usually the snake bite victims, the swelling is asymmetric. 
electrical. Yeah. Usually it's on the side of the bite, but not necessarily always. And sometimes it's subtle and hard to tell mm-hmm. versus like most allergic reactions. It's usually symmetrical swelling, right. but it's, it's hard. And so, yeah, doing like a quick, simple blood test um, or just a cheap blood smear that you can do yourself out there in the world. You don't need yep. anything fancy. It's not yep. expensive. And then you could be like, I'm pretty, I'm pretty suspicious. There, sure. There's not, however, a bedside test to say nope. definitively, your dog has been bitten by a snake and, and this is what we need to do. So that that's also kind of um, uh, can be frustrating at right. times. Um, so then then what? Okay, you're like, all right, I think it's a snake bite. Cool. Now what? Yeah, and then and then next thing I do is say, okay, does the animal need antivenom? That's yeah. probably my next question is, does he need antivenom? I'm so excited and you said antivenom. When people well, say antivenin, uh, and I'm like, yeah. nope. Nope, that was a brand. <laughs> that was a specific right, brand. Right, for sure. <laughs> People say it wrong all the time. Yep. Okay, sorry, side note. It's okay. No problem. No problem. <laughs> but yeah, my, my next question is, does he need antivenom? Yep. And I really, again, base that off on his clinical presentation. Yeah. Not so much the 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 laboratory findings. It's mm-hmm. really just how is he presenting. Is you know, is his heart rate really elevated? Mm-hmm. Is he tachycardic? You know, is he look distressed? Is this pain uncontrollable? You know, yep. Those are my, my giveaways. Okay, this guy needs some antivenom. Like he's yeah. he's not one that I would feel comfortable just sitting on and watching. Yeah. yeah. And I think he needs some some intervention. Are you one of those uh, clinicians who, if you know what type of snake it was or strongly suspect because the owners described it and you're like, okay, it was this, does that um, influence your decision on whether or not you're going to give uh, antivenom or you're going to wait? I, I will wait. I will. I'll, yeah. I'll wait and see. Yeah, yeah like, if you know what it is. Yeah, like, if they so tell which, me which for snakes? sure it's a rattlesnake yeah. and he doesn't look like a rattlesnake envenomation, yeah. I'll say, oh, let's give him a little time and see because yeah. it, it'll change quickly. But like, what I mean is if um, if they say it's a pygmy rattlesnake, ah, are you more okay. inclined to like, eh, we'll wait and see? Or if they say, oh, it was, it's an eastern diamondback and it was huge, uh, you'd be like, okay, okay. will that, will that influence oh, 100%, your decision? 100%. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't understand your question. But yeah, if they tell me that this was an eastern diamondback, I'm not going to wait. So the same clinical presentation <laughs> with an Eastern, you're more likely to give the answer. Yep. I think I am too. Yeah. And and it's one of those things where I've seen enough, uh, if I'm confident in what kind of snake, right. I've seen enough where they're pygmies and like, meh, they're, exactly. they're probably going to be yeah. okay. Yeah. Um, you know, so there, I, I think what that gets to is that there's, there's a little bit more to it than just that concrete aspect. There is For some sure. aspect of your clinical experience and you're pulling that yep. together. And, and that's what's so, it's so hard to teach that. Right. It's hard to learn it too. You kind of just have to see a bunch of, yep. a bunch of your own. Yeah. Um, you know, cause I trained in North Carolina where we, we had a few pit vivers and they're nothing <laughs> I was like what too, we get actually, in Florida. Yeah. yeah. There was nothing. And like, they were like, Oh, oh, and, and you, you could get away with almost like if somebody didn't have the money for antivenom, you could be like, probably going to be all right. And then I came down here and they're like, no, they're different. I'm like, okay, everybody thinks theirs are the worst. Nope. (laughs) They are. Because I mean, you know, I went to South Africa for a bit and they do have some pretty, pretty wicked snakes, but Florida's tough, man. They are no joke. They are not messing around. North Carolina. It's like a wimpy copperhead. They just come with some baby swelling. You're like, go home. You're like, yeah, go away. You're fine. I tried that once and they were like, what are you doing? (laughs) Yeah. It's so, I had to relearn uh, how to manage snake bites when I got here for sure. Yeah. Um, So, now, we do run into, we kind of mentioned, um, you know, antivenom, and, and the biggest limitation with the antivenom is the cost, cost of it. Yeah. So um, maybe what, what different options do we have for antivenom? And sure. Um, so we have, there's, a, there's say what, a two or three main ones. There's yeah. the is it the Fort Dodge product? It's um, not Fort Dodge anymore. What yeah. that company sell to? I Pfizer, don't know. is it maybe? No, it's I uh, Elanca. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, the yeah. old Fort Dodge. It's or Fort, or Fort <laughs> That's Dodge what we call to it. me. Yep. Yep. And, and then there's uh, what we call Venom Vet, which mm-hmm. is the one that we carry a lot of. 
And then there's one that's, if I can remember correctly, I don't remember the name of it, but it's um, it's labeled for rattlesnake. Yeah. I can't remember the name of it, but those are It's like Rattler or something. Yeah. Or other. Yeah. Something. yeah. It has a rattlesnake on the cover of yeah. it. Yeah. It looks scary. It does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it looks scary as all get out. Yeah. I mean, those are our, our three main ones there. Um, the how they differ is kind of the size of the of the molecule and how yeah. long it stays around in circulation. Yeah. So if I remember correctly, the Fort Dodge is the biggest molecule. Yeah. I know it's not Fort Dodge, but yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah. It's the biggest molecule hangs around the longest. Can actually give us more more of the um, reactions. To that's that what we think. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if anybody's done a study to prove that. Probably so that's all anecdotal right. at this point, I think. But that's the theory, and I think in people those types of antivenoms certainly have been shown. I think my biggest frustration with that product is that it comes, you know, it lyophilized, and so you have to reconstitute mm-hmm. it. And when I'm in a hurry, it takes time. I'm like, mm, sh-, you're like, ah, this is taking yep. forever. And that's, I think that's what I really like about the Venom Vet is that it's already in liquid form. So I just have go. to dilute it and be done. Um, I, I think that's, for me, again, because we don't really know that the reactions are there. There's mm-hmm. there's reason to think that. Some people think because it sticks around longer that sometimes yeah. the old Fort Dodge would, um, they, they, they'll try that if they feel like the Venom Vet's not working. Sure. I, again, I don't, we don't have any real science behind any of that. But I like the Venom Vet that it's in liquid form and I don't have to wait to reconstitute it. That's that's, uh, that's my favorite feature of it. But yeah. I like how fast you can give it too. Yeah. Like 30 yeah. minutes, bolus, yeah. just give it in. Yeah. Wait and see. Give it again. Yep. Oh, I've given them faster than that, too, when I've had to. Um, and I've done that with all of the products. But um, uh, no, so they can they can be pretty rewarding. So what's the uh, the most vials of anti-venom mm. that you've given that you recall? Yeah. If so you have that number in your head. I do, actually. Yeah, everyone does. Everybody <laughs> has their number. Yep. So the most I've given is only 10. Only and 10. Only Woo. 10. <laughs> I know there's been way numbers yeah. exceeded here, but... My number is 10, and, and yeah. actually the patient survived. So yep. I'll take a 10, yep. and 10 and win. 10 I'll, out of 10. I'll, yeah, yep. I'll take it. For but sure. It was it was over a couple of days, of course, but he, d- he did get 10. So one of the things that I think can confuse people is that how we dose antivenom. It's very different mm-hmm. than other things we dose, right? Mm-hmm. So you would think like, oh, you know, a Great Dane needs a medication. It gets more than a Chihuahua, but that's not the case here. So why is that? Um, that's a good question. I don't know if I know the answer to why why it doesn't. I always I, I remember when I was a student. I remember when I was before I was even in vet school. I asked the veterinarian like, why are vaccines the same volume mm-hmm. no matter mm-hmm. whether you're giving it to a Great Dane or a Chihuahua? And essentially, I think you know, w- like for vaccines, you're just trying to stimulate the immune response, and the immune system's going to respond to antigen regardless. But right. the way I think about it with the antivenom is that. The way it's working, it's not like a drug that your body is metabolizing or doing something with to go to the tissues. You're just trying to neutralize the venom mm-hmm. that's there. And so depending on how much venom is in the system, you need to give more. So there's just a set amount of anti-venom to neutralize right. the venom. Um, and so depending on the bite, so a, 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 you know, a Jack Russell Terrier may have gotten a whopping you know, bite where the the snake was like, "You're, I'm taking you down," right. and and, and just, off. yep, exactly. I'm gonna <laughs> unload all of my venom, yeah. and that that dog might need 20 vials. Where the Great Dane maybe was just like, "Oops, I stepped on him," and I started, and th- right. maybe it was a defensive bite, or or maybe I guess maybe a defensive bite. He would probably, anyway. I'm not a snake <laughs> expert, but um, but. Depending on what the snake did, if it was less venom, um, then you might need fewer vials. That makes so sense. the other thing, though, um, that we've you know started doing at Florida, um, and they're starting to do in people as well, is once we get a patient stabilized, we switch them over to 
the CRI, the constant right. rate. So rather than giving the antivenom as like a slow bolus over half an hour, mm-hmm. are you starting to do that too? I have done it twice and it worked great. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've done it really, it worked really well and I was surprised. Yeah. Dr. Shayer told me about it. He was like, just try it. I was like, fine. <laughs> okay, there's, that's there's what no, I'm here for, no, right? Yeah, there's no guidelines there's, on how to give antivenom and how often and how much to do it. It's CRI versus bolus. Yeah. So, so we've it. been trying them too and... and Again, the way I explain it in my head, I don't know if this is actually true, um, but I think, you know, when when a snake bites you, most of the time it doesn't inject the venom directly into your bloodstream. It's usually in the tissues, right? And so there's a little, you know, deposit of that venom that's slowly getting absorbed into your bloodstream. But the the venom that's being neutralized by the antivenom is what's in the blood. Mm -hmm. And so if if there's a lot in the blood, you need to give a lot of antivenom into the blood to neutralize it. But later on when you're just slowly absorbing more venom, if you are absorbing the venom at a slower rate than you're giving the antivenom, mm. then the body's metabolizing and getting rid of the antivenom while it's still absorbing Sorry. venom. Yeah. So w- that in my head, once we get them stabilized, if we can switch them to a constant rate infusion, maybe we're matching or approximating the mm. rate that we're abs- the patient is absorbing venom into the bloodstream, and then we're just neutralizing it as we go so we get more bang for our buck. Um, it sounds that's, good. Yeah, it sounds good, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't have any ev- any evidence to support it, but it makes sense in theory. Sure. Uh, so I go with that. Um, but I do think we're starting to see, and in in our world, obviously, the money matters, right? right. So ten vials of antivenom is cost prohibitive for nice. a lot of people, yeah. um, and more than that certainly can be. So if I can take one vial, and you know, because I could do the same thing and just keep giving three or four vials over the same time, right? But that's going to cost a lot of people out of treating their pets, and so. Um, uh, that that's probably a study that someone should do. How long would you do your CRI or when you did it? Um, I kind of just go as slow as I think I can. So I, I treat the antivenom um, kind of like I would a transfusion. Um, so I yeah. would usually try to do it over like four yeah. hours. I've stretched it out to six, six or yep. eight. <laughs> yeah, like if money's yeah. really tight and yep. I need to make this go, then yeah. I will. Especially if I think they're reasonable, like I've gotten them stable, stable but I just right. I want to keep them that way. So I've stretched it out, but like four to six is probably what um, is going to be my goal most of the yeah. time. So, um, but there's still a lot we don't know yep. um, about snake bites. So you you've got some research going, right? We do. Yes. It's, All right. Tell me uh, about it. So we're we're looking at it's really in pediatric patients. So oh, okay. patients less than six months of age Ooh. that have been envenomated by a pit viper. We're just looking at the outcomes, basically. Okay. So all of them that we have so far have survived. Cool. And and true to fashion, some were, you know, less clinically affected, mm-hmm. some were way worse. We had some that ended up um, needing blood transfusions, sure. all, the, all the typical things. And, yeah. and it's really, it's what our data right now is showing is it's it's, not, it's nothing that we're, we're doing. We're pulling old cases gotcha. and looking at yep. kind of following how they were. So it's our data is showing that it's really still the same. Cool. Uh, we're not saying that, you know, that we need to change anything with them being in pediatric patients. Okay. It's not that we're having to, um, you know, change the amount we're giving or if they're clinically affected differently. Okay. We were wanting to see, we, we were looking to find them in a younger age. Yeah. We just couldn't. Yeah. We were, we were, we were wanting to get like the, the neonates is what we wanted well, to see. Well, I guess behaviorally, they're probably not really likely no, to get out there. So, no, and they probably yeah. get eaten. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. So we were, it's it's really, you know, yeah. it's, it's good information for what we're finding, but it's not it's not really anything different. So are, I wonder, um, are you seeing, and, and maybe are you comparing um, 
the rate at which they get comorbidities. Like, would a young, mm. uh, previously healthy animal be less likely to, to develop secondary AKI, right, true. or at least that we can recognize? Because right. um, that would be that would be interesting. I would think they're young, they're previously healthy, they're yeah. otherwise more robust One than some did, of the older actually, ones. It was, we have six six cases that we found. Mm-hmm. Um, it's from like. 2010 to 2018. So it was like an eight years. Wow, that's not and a frequent rate, though. <laughs> no, I wonder. It's not. I wonder why that is. Because no, it's not it's that yeah. puppies are smarter than adult dogs. Right. We know it's not that. Nope, <laughs> nope, nope. They're actually uh, not yeah, as smart. Yeah, they're. D- yeah, 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 yeah. So interesting mm-hmm. that we don't have that many. I'm surprised in Florida that actually that that's true. Um, yep. That that's interesting in and of itself. Yeah. Um, but I, that's one thing I would be curious to know is um, it, it's it might be hard if there's only six you know six dogs that you can yeah. find. But it'd be interesting to see if the rate of secondary things like AKI is lower yeah. in the pediatrics because I think I think we have that out there. The I, I don't know if we have the prevalence of AKI. I mm. know that there have been um, you know retrospective studies talking about the incidence and uh, or at least what hap- what what it looks like when it happens. Yeah. But I don't know if we know what percentage of dogs develop it. Um, but I, that would I would I would guess that's good. what yeah. would happen. I don't know. That might be something to look at too while for you're sure. while you're going through the data. Yeah. Um, it's really cool that you're doing something for pediatrics, though. I, one of one of the shows we did uh, uh, not that long ago, Dr. Campos came on and we talked about pediatrics and neonates. And oh, mostly nice. what we talked about was how we don't know anything. <laughs> right, it's hard. Um, because yeah, there's very very little research yep. out there. So most of what's out there is just like. This is what we do, and it kind of seems to work. So, right. um, but there's very, very little research. So it's really cool that you're actually trying to look at, and, and maybe sometimes it's going to be like, hey, everything's the same here. That's that's good to know. That's I don't fine, have yeah. to. That's helpful information to right. say I can keep doing things the same way. Exactly. So, um, uh, that that's that's really fun. Um, well, uh, listen. Good luck with the with the study. Uh, I hope you don't get any more cases. Me too. <laughs> right. <laughs> for sure. um, so, um, but it's been really nice chatting with you. Thanks you for coming well. and talking about snake Thanks bites. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, we'll talk to you next time. Right, have a good day. Thanks for listening to today's show. I'd like to thank Topher, my producer. You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at Vet Journal Club. Our website is veterinaryjournalclub.fireside.fm. Email us with questions, comments, or show ideas at veterinaryjournalclub at gmail.com. And remember to check back weekly for new episodes, and we'll catch you next time.